Okay, uh, good morning, everybody. It's okay. Let me get Rob Kelly to sit down. We'll start. <laughs> Poor Rob. Rob always gets picked on, but he loves it. <clears throat> um, I'd like to uh, just thank everybody about my dad dying, your prayers, and all that stuff, and uh, just continue to keep praying for my mom. It's a hard adjustment for her. She's actually doing amazingly well. I really thought that she would like just fall apart, but she's she's hanging in there pretty good. So, so thank you for that. <coughs> We're going to do something today that I don't think we have ever done, at least in the four years I've been here. We're going to read a whole book of the Bible. It sounds very daunting, but it's not. It is um, a little letter that Paul wrote to a man named Philemon. And a lot of people don't even know this uh, book is in the Bible because as you're flipping through, you can actually just flip right by it because it's just 25 verses. But um, I will have to confess, like, um, been ingested about being unprepared. Um, I kind of lost track of time. I'm, I I don't want to make excuses, but this whole thing, my dad kind of like, I lost track of time I was going on. Um, and I really thought I had till next week. And then I checked the calendar, and it's like, I checked, I checked the calendar, I think, Thursday, and like, oh, crap. Um, but I, I, but I, I've mentally been working on this for, for at least a month. Um, it is actually one of these, have you ever had, have you ever um, been in a situation where you wanted to talk about something? And there's so much you want to say, you don't know how to organize it or what to pull out and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, I've, I've read this two or three times before throughout my, my walk and everything. And I even had a teacher, a really good Sunday school teacher, teach on it and stuff. But as I got reading it, it was like I just keep seeing more and more and more. And I actually found myself almost getting overwhelmed with what I wanted to talk about because I don't want to sit up here for an hour talking because... Even I get tired of hearing myself. Nancy doesn't know that, but I actually do get tired of hearing myself talk all the time. Um, so, probably. It might be. Yeah, I actually um, don't talk. When there are people there, I don't talk to them. <laughs> I, I, I try to. I, I'm, I'm, I'm cordial. But anyway, we'll go ahead and we'll start off. Um, we'll read this. And hopefully my Bible lines up with that. I'm sure it will. It's supposed to anyway, so. Okay. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister Athea, and to our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the, and to the church and to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this as a a request from me. 
Paul, an old man and now a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he's very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I, while I am in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. One more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return soon. And I'll go ahead and read the last two things. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner, Christ Jesus sends his greeting. So do Mark. Aristocosis, something like that. Demas, Luke, my co-workers, may, grace of the, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you and be with your spirit. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you for this day, and I pray, Lord, that um, what I am going to say is what you want me to say. And I just pray, Lord, that, um, that, um, that you're here with us. I thank you for um, people who have come here people who, are, who have dedicated their lives to following and serving you. And I just thank you so much for your love, your grace, and your salvation. In Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Okay, so there is um, three principal people in this, Paul, Onesimus, and Philemon. Um, it's believed that, that Onesimus was a slave. And, and you have to kind of remember that in this time, um, in Roman culture— from what I understand, um, slaves were regarded as people, but they were still property too. It, it was that kind of thing. So, when if a slave did something like run away or stole something or whatever, it was well within the slaveholder's legal rights to punish the the slave any way he wanted to. Even and usually, what they did is they they crucified them. You know, that's because they did they. Even though by law they were people, they really weren't people either. So, um, when 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 I when I started reading this, um, you can uh, at first when what I got out of this is what I like about this letter is um, you you hear people sometimes say, and I believe this, that the Bible is the Word of God. Okay, I totally believe that, blah, blah, blah. But what I like about this letter is, at least I see Paul in this struggling with, you, you, you see Paul struggling with the idea that he wants to tell this guy what to do, 
but he really knows that he can't tell him what to do. And and I don't want to use the word manipulate, but you can kind of see some of that in there every now and then. And this is how I first saw it. So I'm not saying this is how it is. I'm saying how I first saw it. Because he, he would do, he would like at the first part of it, can we flip back to, to one? The first part, if you find in there, he talks about how, how in verse 4, about how he always thanks Philemon and, and all this, and about how he has such love for God's people. And he kind of like just builds him up and, and everything. And then he, he goes on there to 8, and he says he has a favor to ask. But he adds that little part about, I could tell you what to do because it's the right thing to do. And, and he's already, like, to me, I see him, like, putting in his mind how, he, how, how, he, how Paul wants him to think. And I also kind of agree, I also believe in this, that Philemon is, is fairly knowledgeable of how to follow Christ. Because it's not a lot of doctrinal thing. He's not saying about, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's, he's just saying, he's, it's almost like a given that Philemon knows what he should be doing anyway, the, the right thing to do. At least that's what I get from it. Because he doesn't have anything in there about, as it says in Scripture, he doesn't say any of this stuff. He's just, he's just talking directly to this guy. So I think, he has a, uh, I think Philemon has a, a good grasp of how it, how it is to be a Christian. I think they must have a fairly decent relationship just person to person, too. Because Paul obviously feels that he knows that he has authority, at least spiritually, over Philemon. Or he would never say, I could demand this of you. So that's my take on it. But he does, he does he just does things like that, you know. And then you get to the part about, um, uh, I have my glasses on here. That nine. Oh, he, he does the whole thing about because of our love and everything, because you know, we're such, you know, brotherly love and all that. I simply want to ask you, then he, th- then he throws in this about, and he almost like, I'm Paul. I'm an old man, and I'm in prison. It's like he's, he's, he's I mean, this is how I first read this. Like, you can, I think you can see it that way. So he, he's like playing on his uh, emotions and everything else and all that. And, and as you keep going through it, there's all this, and then, at the very end on 2022, there's other things. But he even has a thing about um, he's telling Philemon to set up a room for him so that if, you know, if he gets out of prison, he's going to come see him, which I, I would think is like he's, he's telling Philemon that I'm going to come check to see exactly what happened. So there's all this stuff going on, and, and if you're cynical like me and, and vindictive and manipulative, <laughs> That you would read it that way, but but the more I read it, I, I think a lot of it is he, Paul just knows the gravity of the situation. He just really knows that whatever whatever Onesimus did was really bad, and they they tend to think that um, he stole something because Paul says, um, um, "I write this in my, in my own hand; I will repay it," and all that. So if he did anything wrong, I'll repay it. So so the guy did more than just run away from his from a slaveholder. He apparently took something, whether it be money or some kind of something valuable and all that. And, and, I, and I think that Paul just realizes that not only, the, I mean, that he did, this guy did something really wrong. And he's scared to death that, that he's going to get basically crucified for what he did. And so, um, like I said, there, there's not anything directly in here about a, a blatant out-and-out teachings on, on the work of the cross, how to be a Christian. But 
but it, it is in there in, in such a way. And the first point, first point I want to make is, um, is um, Paul points out that um, that um, that Philemon has love, but and Paul also points out in this thing that he that he loves Onesimus as much as he loves Philemon. He loves them both equally. They're both, you know, they're both brothers and everything. Um, covered that already. Um, the other part that I thought was interesting was that Paul gave up his authority over over Philemon in simply asking to fulfill a, a request. Um, when I when I read that, I, I thought about Philippians two, where it says about how Christ gave us. Uh, here, I'll just read it. It's much easier. This is uh, Philippians 2, and it starts at verse 5, and it says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born, of a, born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Now, obviously, Paul is not Christ and everything, but he took the, took the position that even though he could demand that he release him, he, he gave up his authority and simply approached him as another brother in the faith and, and asked him to, um, to uh, go easy on, on, on this list. Um, and the other point is um, Paul is pleading for Philemon to have mercy and forgiveness. He, he, this whole letter is really Paul asking Philemon to, to have mercy and to forgive Onesimus for what he did. And that definitely correlates with, with Christ. How Christ has forgiven us of our transgressions, our sins, what we've done against him, and the mercy that, that he has given us. Um, so even though there's like, there's not like any blatant you know, theological teachings in this, the whole thing really is a blatant theological teaching. Because cause Paul is showing, he's actually kind of showing Philemon, I think, how to live a Christian life. Because Paul is, is not demanding things, and he's, and he's simply almost being, I don't want to say that. Um, he, 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 Definitely has put themselves as equals, because by not demanding, he has at least equaled himself out with Philemon, at least the way that I see it. Because people who are of authority usually just tell you what to do. And I think, and I actually think that the whole book—that's what it's about. Because if you notice on uh, verse seven, is that right? Nope, verse 5. Uh, he talked about, uh, I'll start at 4. I always thank God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. He's already kind of set the, the whole thing up about all God's people that he should love them. He already does love them. And so 
And I think at this time that Philemon probably doesn't know what's in the letter, obviously. And he doesn't know that Onesimus has become a believer. So Paul has already grouped him, has grouped the slave in with all the other believers. Okay? Does that make sense? In my in my feeling on this whole book is that Paul um, is basically saying that that he is in Onesimus and Philemon are, are um, at least in the eyes of Christ are equal. Um, yes, Paul may have authority over you know teachings and that kind of thing, but it's not like Paul has more. God hasn't given Paul more grace in his life than he has the slave. That God's love is equal over everybody, regardless of your standing, your 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 class, your station, whatever you want to call it. Um, it kind of uh, there's a verse in Galatians, Galatians three twenty eight that says there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. For all are one in Christ Jesus. And so as I'm as I'm reading this, you know, how we can apply this to modern day, I think, is he's definitely the thing about this, and we talk about a lot in this church about how to connect with unbelievers and how to love them and include them and all that. But I think this book is Paul is really hammering home the fact that having love for other believers. And so if you're Philemon and you have a big house where your church meets at and you have money and you have slaves and everything, and then you have Onesimus who is a slave who probably has nothing except whatever has been given to him, that Paul is telling him that you should love the slave like you would anybody else up here where you are. Okay, do you guys get that from this letter? Okay. <laughs> All right. Nope. Uh, what did I say? Um, um, I, I, I'm say, uh, saying that there's, there's Philemon. He's up here. He has a big house because it says right here that this ch- church meets at his house. So he obviously has some money because he has a big house. He's obviously got at least one slave. So he's up here in this class. And then there's Onesimus, who's just a slave. But Paul is telling him, because he says, um, uh, there's a part here where Paul says, he's sending Onesimus back to him, and he says, I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. Paul is saying that Onesimus is, e- is equal with him. And, and so, and then he's telling Philemon, and he says, so if you consider me your partner, so so Philemon, and, and he's, he's including Philemon and in being equal with him also. So Paul is basically telling him that in Christ, anyway, these two people are equal with him, that they should view each other as being equal also. I know that guy agrees. Anybody else? <laughs> okay, so my question is, is that the mic, get the mic going? How how do we apply this now in our lives? And I can and I can throw some stuff out there. Um, there was a couple things I saw on Facebook. 
Um, and one of them was, it basically was bashing. Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't bashing. Um, that's not. Nah, that's way too graphic. It's not that bad. Um, it was saying that that Christians should not get too involved or caught up with the Catholic Church. That even though our core beliefs are the same and our stance on on some of the social issues are the same and everything, that they still have so much other stuff wrong that we should not get involved with them. And his whole thing was the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That that they're the enemy, but they're our friend because we agree on these certain things. And we and it's it's really just this right wing guy going off on stuff. And it's it's one of these people who think they know it all and and all that. So there to me that's one way of where we can apply this because I do know people like that that if you don't believe exactly like they do, then they cannot really associate with you. And and the, the, and most of it that I've in my walk, when I started going to church in 2000 at a Baptist church, the big hang-up they always had with other churches was certain churches believe that in order to actually fulfill salvation is you have to be baptized. And they have a Bible verse that kind of backs that up and everything. But that one thing is the one thing that makes them not want to love them or associate with them. They love them, but they don't have a brotherly Christian kind of working together kind of thing. So that's one example I can think of. I can think of, like, um, um, politics. Is you've got your Republican Christians, your Democratic Christians, and they don't ever come together to try to um, talk things out. It's always about I'm right, you're wrong, blah, blah, blah. That kind of so anyway, so there's some examples. So what, what, what other ones could there be? And if you have want to say something, raise your hand, and Dalton's going to bring you the microphone so we can all hear you. It's all, the, it's all the same thing. The only difference is we'll actually be able to hear you. Uh, examples. Um, Caseworker sitting across a desk, not understanding where the person is on the other side of the desk and how to help them. Um, believer or non-believer, either way, on the counseling side, um, if they would get that, whether they did or not, you know, um, it'd go a long way. And I say that from the perspective of sitting on both sides of the desk, but um, I think it's important that we get the message that we're all in the same boat, no matter what level we're at in society, um, and don't let that barrier stop us in reaching with the love Christ has given us to others. So, there you go. Good. <laughs> One of the things that, that I get from that is so often we want to point the finger at what somebody else is doing wrong. That's taking others' inventory. And we get so busy with that that we aren't doing anything. And and I think there's a lot of danger in that. You know, uh, I need to focus on what I need to do 
rather than what I think you should or shouldn't be doing. Uh, if more of us did that, uh, it'd be a different place. So not taking others' inventory, other believers' inventory, because they don't believe just the way you do. Right. Um, I've been to a couple of other churches around town in Indianapolis, and uh, there's one uh, thing I've learned from those churches is to love everyone unconditionally, just as God does, um, to be able to reach out and touch everyone. And, you know, when I'm with mom, I live with my mom uh, for, you know, because I need because I need her and she needs me also. But she goes on about, you know, her strict, strict Christian way of, of belief. And everything has to be black and white. And if, if I don't do, live my life exactly according to her will, then I'm not living right or I'm going to go to hell. And um, the thing of it is, is that I, I said, Mom, I don't believe the way you do. I am a, a lot more broad-spectrumed about things and everything. And I said, I said um, all I'm asking for is your respect. Respect me. I respect you. I respect you and your belief, and I don't tell you how to live your religion and do your your thing because I know it wouldn't do any good anyway. But uh, she, you know, just needs to understand, and I think a lot of us need to understand, to respect each other. I think if we, you know, there used to be a song in the 80s that says, have a little respect, do-do. But anyway, I think we just need to respect each other and uh uh, get along better together and, you know, reach out to someone. And um, if they're in need of help or sometimes even if they aren't in need of help and just, you know, you know, do what we feel that we can in the most positive way. I think that's what Christ was trying to do. Thank you. I was telling Nancy last night, I've got a buddy of mine. I love the guy to death. We've been friends for uh, probably around 30 years now and stuff. But... As of at least, we, I used to go over to his house all the time, and we would talk about scripture and this and that and, and all that. Um, but I, but he is very much a, a King James, um, Baptist, right wing, kind of guy. And if you if you ever say anything to him that sounds a little that he thinks is a little fishy, he'll say, "Is that what the King James says?" And because because it doesn't matter what other any other Bible says, it has to be that particular one. Um, and like I was telling Nancy, um, I, I mean I totally believe he's 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 a, he's a believer. There's no doubt about that and everything. But he he only wants to discuss things with people who either totally agree with him or know nothing, or they're totally the other other opposite. Um, it's gotten to the point now when I go out to his house and stuff, he don't even talk to me because the problem is I knew I did the King James thing for eight or nine years so I can actually turn it on him and and not not in a bad way. I just I just know it. So he so there's no friction about, well, I'm using this Bible and he can always that's his escape clause. Well, this one doesn't say it. So and but the whole point is um he, he doesn't want to go outside of what he is comfortable with or what he believes. And I would almost say that he, 
he would he would probably would not agree with this, but if you're if you're like that, you basically are saying that you've grown as much as you can grow, that you know everything that there is to know. And, and don't get me wrong, I have my opinions, and I agree with my opinions. If I didn't, I'd get a different opinion. But, but at the same time, I'm, I'm at least open. I mean, the first time I came here, it was the weirdest thing to me because it was so unbaptist. I mean, it was, it, it, it was and I'm not, I'm not talking about the couches and the, the you know, dress I just got off work kind of thing. I mean, just what was talked about was very, very odd. And... And, but something kept me coming back. I, I kept saying I'm not coming back, and I kept coming back anyway. So, and it's not the coffee because I don't drink coffee. So, <laughs> so, but but my buddy is like that. It's, it's, and it's, and I, I I think it's it's I think it's sad that that he and I, as close as friends as we are, we really can't have this discussion because he he doesn't even want to think that he's wrong. Which I'm like that too, but I but I know I'm like that, so I try not to be that way. That's the kind of the difference in, for me. But but yeah, the, the, but he he's like that. I've seen him argue with with atheists, and he loves it. You know, he. But you can but you can see while the other person's talking that he's basically sitting there biding his time, just waiting for them to get done so he can spurt out what he wants to say instead of actually listening to what that person says and seeing how you could actually use Christ somehow to, to use what they already believe in it. And so that's, but that's kind of my, my thing about he's a believer, I'm a believer, and yet we don't really, I mean, we, we're still best friends and all that kind of stuff, but we never talk about Christ. And it's like, that's, this should be the thing that ties us the most together. And anyway, that's my, my rant. It's a, Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I have the mic, <laughs> so it's my turn. I, I didn't see you raise your hand, but I still have the mic. <laughs> so, uh, what what's your name, sir? Joe. Hey, nice nice to meet you, Joe. Um, I think that that's you. You hit the point exactly. Um, what I feel like this book, how it's relevant to now, and why maybe it was included in the Bible is more than anything is the posture of Paul is what we see here and what you see over and over with him is that he more than anyone in the world maybe in the history of time has the authority to exert authority Mm -hmm. and the position to talk down to somebody um, in the church and I think that the thing that is most relevant is that more than anybody ever he has the credentials to um, be prideful and demand things and tell people how it is. You know, a lot of what he says actually ends up in the Bible. Um, And I think that more than anything is the the posture and behavior of humility that comes across. And I think that what you were saying about your mom is that I think that somebody who feels so strongly about their beliefs still needs to have that same posture of respect um, that he does. Obviously, he, he feels like uh, Philemon owes his salvation to Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still, he st- and I think that what, you know, my point is, I think that in the American church, especially um, kind of right-wing Christianity, um, we're kind of missing that mm-hmm. um, humility to say, yeah, 
to have that posture. I think from now on, I'm just going to write my stuff out and give it to Andy because that's exactly what I was trying to convey. But he's, he's, he was much more eloquent about it. Yeah, I, uh, um, uh, John and I were talking, texting, that's considered talking these days. Um, it's been a couple of months ago, but we were talking about, I don't know, something about um, Christianity. And I made the comment to him that, um, that people... Christians don't diligently seek God for confirmation. They diligently seek their denomination to confirm what they believe. And 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 when when I got outside of that box and actually, because I did that a couple years ago, as I I resolved to, I was going to believe the core of the Bible: Jesus being the Son of God, died for my sins, and all that, and all the other stuff. I was going to pretend I was never had never heard anything else about it, and I was just going to start relearning or actually. Actually, um, I guess relearning is okay, uh, but not just taking the word of whoever was teaching me or preaching that day, and and because because you'll find that if you do that, it's very it's very easy to take this book and take a couple of verses and make your own thing out of it. It's it's easy as can be, you know. You have to have you know you have to really trust the person talking, and if you're if you're wise. You'll back up a couple chapters and you'll read the rest of it and see how it all flows together because it's very easy to pull this out and this out and make up your own thing. Um, I can you hear me? Okay. Uh, for me, what I think, what I get from this is like that people that do like what like don't talk to you because you don't believe exactly in what they say or you know pick arguments with atheists because they know they're going to probably win that argument because the atheists can't come back with anything. Like, I think that the people, we need to step back be and look at that and try to fix that because that's what drives people away from Christianity. Like, That's what drove me away from it for a long time. I used to see that, and I was like, I mean, there's so many people, and there's so many, like, Christians should be one whole body. Like, I mean, you shouldn't be. It would. It's ridiculous to think about a leg fighting an arm, but basically, that's what it is. Like, you, I, I grew up Catholic, and I told my mom, like, yeah, I'm gonna go to this like Christian church down the road, and it was me by myself, and she hadn't gone to the Catholic church in like six years, so I was thinking like, oh, there's nothing wrong. Like, I'm finally gonna go back to church the first time in six years. And she started crying, and she was like, Miha, we're Catholic. We grew up Catholic. You were baptized when you were six months. And I was like, I couldn't duck out of the water. Like, I didn't know what I was getting into. Like, and she just, like, instead of being happy for me to, like, join something else, to, like, want to go back to God, she just was like, no, like, it's not what I grew up in. It's not my tradition. It was a tradition. Mm -hmm. Like it's not what we know. So it's strange. I don't want you to go. And I mean, if I hadn't have done that, like I wouldn't have, like, you know, I've never realized that when you're in worship, you can actually stand up and dance and raise your hands up. Like Catholic, I don't know if you've any of you have ever gone to a Catholic mass, but it's very rigid. So like. I didn't know that you can, like, have fun in church. Like, I didn't know that, you know, people can actually speak their minds and it be okay without the father telling you no. Like, and 
I just, like, that's what turns people away. And I know that for a fact because I talk to people. Like, that's what turns them away. Like, you know, like, they come to me and I'm telling them, like, yeah, like, Jesus loves and Jesus loves everybody, whether you're a Gentile or a Jew. Like, he loves you and he, like, he picks no favorites. Like, he loves you. And then you have other people that are like, well, like, if it's not the King James Version, it's not right. And then it's like it, those those blows hurt more than coming from an atheist. Because when you're an atheist, you're kind of just like, oh, you don't really know what you're saying. Like, you know, like, forgive them for, like, what they're telling me because they don't really know. They don't understand what I feel. But when it's coming from another Christian, then it's like you know better. Like, you know, like that sentence just always plays. Like, you know better than to tell somebody that just because you don't follow it that exact way, you're wrong. Like, shame on you for for saying that because that could possibly be the one argument that just told that person, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to fight for the rest of my life. Bye. Like, right. You know, so I'm glad that we're talking about this so that if some like something like that happens, you can actually stand up and just be like, why don't you just love like Jesus said it over and over yeah. time and time again. He loved prostitutes like his sister. He loved Peter, even though he killed Christians, like you know, or Paul, or like you know, like he loved David, that did horrible things sometimes. And I mean, that's what we need to go back to time and time again. I think. Yeah, I, I think the whole disunity thing has is is you know, there's a reason why in John Jesus takes like three chapters praying for the unity of the church. Because he knows how important that it is. And if you got two Christians and, and an unbeliever standing here, and you guys are arguing about stuff, and then the guy will say something about, you know, the atheist will say, an unbeliever will say about, uh, well, I, that's, I don't believe and all that. Then we try to say, well, both turn around and say, but Jesus loves you so much. And it's like, but you guys don't even love each other. And you basically agree. And, 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 that, and, that, and, and I, I kind of want to, uh, hit that again about this because this is this is about fellow believers getting along and, and seeing each other and and you know equality and everything. Who's got your mic? Um, the other aspect I like about I think the story I find interesting is the is the grace is that Paul is telling uh, Philemon that you know what for society's rules you have every right to mm-hmm. persecute him. Um, but he's kind of saying, asking him, it's like, but he's a Christian, so we live by different rules. And I think it's kind of interesting. It's almost like Paul is playing almost like a Christ role, and he's saying, mm-hmm. hey, I know this guy has sinned against you. Mm-hmm. I will pay for his sins, basically. Mm-hmm. I will pay for that so that you will see him as sinless and as equal with you. Right. And I think that's really kind of interesting yeah. and powerful. Yeah, um, I actually wrote that down and skipped it. It's right there. Um, excuse me about the faith. Oh, chapter six, uh, verse six. And I, w- I am praying that you would put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. Uh, he's 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 already pointing a lot of this stuff out before he even gets to what it's about. And he's, I mean, Paul really is setting this guy up for what he's going to say. And he don't, you don't even know what it's about till he gets to the part about it. But yeah, I mean, I try to make that point too. Probably not so well, but. Um, but yeah, it, 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 he Paul is basically putting out there that you have a decision, Philemon. Are you going to do the Christ thing, or are you going to do what you can what you can do anyway? And that's a lot how 
God is with us. God doesn't force us to follow him and do his thing. He, he just lays it out there. He says, here's the right thing to do, but you can do the wrong thing if you want to. I'm not going to force you to do it. But like, well, like I think Paul said this summer about you'll basically says you'll do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And I, and I think that's kind of how God does things. It's actually kind of along the same lines. I think what I always have loved about Paul and what I think makes Paul so accessible to me personally is his humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that I see in this letter a guy who ultimately is, is kind of coming up against his own limits. And, yeah, he is, you know, this really powerful church figure. But he's also in jail and however many you know, miles away from this situation, and he's kind of sending this kid back who has, you know, through their relationship become really important to him. But he ultimately doesn't have any power over the situation. I mean, like you said, by law, uh, this guy can decide to do whatever he's, he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that Paul does kind of <coughs> lay it on thick here. Um, that, I mean, j- you just look at that first part, like who he's writing to. He's not just writing to Philemon. I'm writing to Philemon and yeah. to our sister Aphia uh, and to uh, our soldier Archippus and to the church that meets yeah. in your house. See, so that's the part. Everybody. You to the church too. So. <laughs> right. So, so this letter, like we're, we're going to read this to all of them, mm-hmm. and then you can decide, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and he does kind of throw out all this stuff. Like I, yeah, I'm not going to mention that you owe me your very soul, <laughs> but if I were, <laughs> you right. know. And so it's like he, he really does kind of like he has an outcome that he so desperately wants. You know, he wants to see uh, this kid forgiven. And and he kind of does all of the appealing and manipulating that he can do from where he is. But then at the end of the day, he has to just hope and mm-hmm. and trust in, in God and in, in the <coughs> message that's that's been delivered. And, you know, this is like a test of the church. Has Has this thing worked? Have we really come to understand what uh, this idea of living in Christ is about. And ultimately, he's just going to have to send this kid out and then sit back and wait and see what happens. And so, you know, in terms of appealing it to my own life, it's all those times when I can do as much as I can, and then I just have to fall back and, and, and trust in God. And so, you know, kind of a different take, but that sort of humility that, that Paul here really is at a point where for all of his acclaim and all of his his power, he just has to ultimately send this message out and then hope that, right. you know, the message has taken root. Right. Yeah, that was, that was uh, and that's what I found very much about this. I thought was, you see Paul's personality in this. I mean, it isn't like a big thesis or anything. It's just a simple letter to a guy. And, and, and knowing a little bit know about Paul because he's got all these other letters that he wrote too. This is very much doesn't sound like how he would tell somebody to write a letter because he is throwing those kind of things out there about, yeah, but you don't mean this. And it's like, it's, it's, it's like a very kind of a passive aggressive way. But we, I don't think it was meant that way knowing how Paul usually is. But, but I see in this, I see him struggling with, with like what you said about he, he knows he can tell him what to do but he knows that he shouldn't tell him what to do. And it, it's like there's this battle he's having within himself, not even, not, let alone the one he's having with Philemon to try to get everything he wants to. I, 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 I mean, this, you can tell this is a very personal letter to another person. This isn't like to a group of people to teach anything. 
This is a letter that he wrote to somebody that he knows. Ruth. Kind of going back to the, the thing with the churches, I'm, I'm stuck a little bit on this um, part where it's so much harder for us to have grace for other believers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, I think there's a lot there. <coughs> um, I have, I have a three-year-old girl and she'll tell me, you know, that this black box is red or something, you know, and she can say that and I can just blow that off. That doesn't hurt our relationship. But my older son, he's starting to be more aware. When he says something that I really disagree with, there's a, I, I notice the difference in how I react. And I think, I think it's protection and, like, pride that we're getting into where, um, you know, whether it's a more wealthy church or different political beliefs. But I think when that when, – when we have this feeling like all of a sudden – you're not hearing me out or you're not you're not your mind isn't open or something like that that we're getting in we're we are right there where they are you know um that that we're becoming protective right away and i i i I know that um (coughs) especially like with my parents or something they say something and boom there's this there's this feeling and i guess after hearing us talk a little bit that that's pride and that's me trying to protect my beliefs as if I, I don't know as if maybe mine weren't right or something like you know what I mean I, I just feel like we should be really careful when we get into those um, interactions and, and just realize how much our pride is, is bouncing right back you know we see that they're prideful about their beliefs and I think I think it it as soon as you feel that it is always going both ways I mean, yeah, you should be you should be able to talk to somebody and at least try to see their point of view, but that's not usually what happens. Usually, is if somebody doesn't agree with you, you, I, I know, like as with me, um, I try really hard to see their point of view, but I really want to say you're wrong. I'm right, and and I know that's a flaw in me, but I mean, I I, well, I didn't know it's a flaw. Um, but but there are just people like that, like you said, that they have their belief, and it's really not about having a rational discussion to try to meet the person where they're at. It's more about converting them or or changing their mind and that kind of thing, as opposed to. I, I mean, why not why not have the same? If you were talking to an unbeliever, that you can show grace to them. Why can't you do that with another believer who just sees something a little different? And and I think we think because they believe. That's for some reason that doesn't apply anymore because they believe already. I, I don't, I don't know. It's just kind of curious. Sorry. Yeah, I think that's the thing. That um, it's more about us finding humility in the fact that we needed a savior than having pride in the fact that we found him. Because we didn't find him; he found us. Right. So it's not about having pride in our faith. It's about having humility in the fact that we needed it. And if we can find that humility and find that that's what joins us, then we can learn to be brothers and sisters in that blood rather than standing out as leaders or um, authorities in our faith. Or, it, But that's our human nature. That's what our culture tells us to do is to find, find something, learn a lot about it, become really good at it, and become the expert to other people. And that's not at all what Christ is telling us to do. He's saying, find your need for me. Walk in that and let me make you more because of me, not because of you. 
Be quick, Judy. This is a big thank you that I wanted to get in before I leave. And that's, you know, we've been talking about what we say and, and think and everything, <laughs> but what how we walk. Uh, the armory, met, several of them wanted me to make sure that the church got a big thank you due to four young men from this church on Monday when it was way below zero. They came to the armory and cleaned 11 cars so that the people there could get out if they needed to. Uh, and they were just, the, the people at the were just amazed that they would take the time to do that. And one of the things was that they got from these guys is they did it because they felt that's what Christ would want them to do. Not say, not think, that's what Christ would want them to do is reach out and help those people. And they were just, it's amazing how that affected the people that they helped. They all said, thank you guys so much for what you did. We'll pray real quick, and you guys will get your kids, okay? Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this um, small book of the Bible that has so much to say in so little words. Um, I do pray, Lord, for the unity of the church. We'll never agree with everybody about everything, but we do agree that that you bring salvation and, and that you love us. And as long as we have that, we should be able to love each other as um, as Christ loves us. Um, I thank you so much for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And I thank you so much, Lord, for um, your son Jesus and the life he gave, the life he lived, and the life that we will have in, in the coming kingdom. And I pray all this in his name. Amen. Get your kids. <laughs>